0: Welcome to Culture Watch, a podcast of Speaking for Him. My name is Andrew Gommerson and it's my privilege to be your host each and every Monday for this look at news and current events from a Christian perspective. I hope that as we close out 2023, that this has been encouraging to you. It's been encouraging to me to see through the looking glass of world events that even when chaos rages around us, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble, and he is on his throne and not going anywhere. I just want to thank you for listening this year, and I'm excited for what 2024 has to bring. I wanted to share with you a quick programming note, and that is, on December 25th and January 1st, there will not be a Culture Watch podcast. I'm taking two weeks off of the news commentary coverage And I will return with the Culture Watch podcast on Monday, January 8th. So you have this week and next week will be new episodes and then two weeks off and then we will return in the new year. We are continuing to produce the regular podcast on Wednesdays each and every week. So please continue to tune in to that podcast for our holiday programming. With these announcements being made, let's jump in to news for the week of December 11th. We start our news coverage at the Arizona border for the latest on the border crisis.
1: Uh, Bill has been talking to people on the border and his Spanish is excellent as well, so he's in Lukeville, Arizona. Bill, tell us what you're seeing down there. It's a really incredible situation.
2: Seen a lot of frustration, Martha, not just from the migrants, but also from Border Patrol who are completely overwhelmed. The numbers are jaw-dropping. CBP sources telling us in the last two days there have been more than 22,000 migrant encounters at our southern border. This is the situation here live in Lukeville. Believe it or not, this is kind of a lull right now. This is kind of the the slowest we've seen it today. That's because we're waiting for the afternoon and evening rush in the next couple of hours. That's typically when each day we get a breach in the border wall somewhere, and then we get hundreds upon hundreds of people crossing illegally. These people you're looking at here, adult men from all over the world, they have already crossed illegally. Border patrols so backed up they're camped out here, waiting to be processed, and they hope they're going to be released into the interior of the United States. We want to show you what it's like before the sun comes up. Take a look at this video. We shot this uh, earlier this morning. It gets very chilly out here in Lukeville, Arizona. Remote Arizona desert. A lot of these guys will start fires with whatever they can find. Brush out in the desert. Different types of trash, sometimes plastic. The fumes can get rough out here but they get very very cold in the dark as it gets chilly out here Uh, and then we talk about how it's constantly resupplied with people showing up here take a look at this video we shot late yesterday afternoon martha this was about this time yesterday another breach in the border wall people started spilling through masses of hundreds of people crossing illegally and then walking down the border wall on this dirt path we're standing on and talking to you right now we had a chance to talk to a lot of the guys here and ask them where they're planning to go into the united states Stay, take a listen. Where in the United States do you want to go? Detroit, California,
1: New York City.
2: Nueva York. New York City, I have family members there. Miami. ¿Y a dónde vas en los Estados Unidos? ¿Qué ciudad? Omaha. Omaha, Nebraska. Miami. Omaha. Oklahoma. Oklahoma? You want South Carolina. And, Martha, just about 30 minutes ago, the Mexican military showed up on the other side of the border wall on the Mexican side, just yards away from where we're standing right now. Uh, it'll remain to be seen. Are they just going to be here for a photo op for the media? Or are they going to take some action and try to plug this up on the Mexican side? We're going to wait to see. We'll send it back That's to you. Uh,
0: never seen anything like this. Uh, Bill Malusian, thank you very much. For- Let me start out by saying that as a nation of immigrants, the United States should welcome immigrants with open arms. But I do believe that having an immigration policy and following that immigration policy is important to offering the best opportunities to those who do immigrate to this country. You know, some people say, well, you should just swing the doors wide open and let whoever wants to come, come. But that taxes resources, that taxes the people that are working to get people across the border and, And it undermines the rule of law that we have in this country. And order is brought about by laws. Our country is based on liberty, but that liberty is not the excuse to do whatever you want to do. But rather, it's the opportunity to do what you ought to do for the betterment of yourself and those around you. I believe in welcoming the huddled masses that the Statue of Liberty welcomes to New York Harbor. I truly do, and I have seen the struggle of people who I know that have married people from other countries and have struggled to get them over here to the United States, so I definitely think that immigration needs an overhaul in our country, but that is not an excuse to ignore the laws that we have in place. It's just hopefully an impetus to get people into our halls of Congress and to say, let's do a better job of this. Let's make a common sense legislation and make sure that immigration works smoothly once again. By having a bunch of people just pile through the border in Arizona is not a good thing. Now all these people are just sitting there waiting to be released into this country and it's important for people to know the backgrounds of the people That are coming in. It's important to our security. And as I said. It's important when we think about giving opportunities. To those who really want to come here. And be Americans. America has been known in the past as a melting pot. And I've mentioned this before. But I really believe it bears repeating. That in today's America. It's more like an ice cube tray. They want the benefits often. Of becoming part of America, but they don't want to become truly Americans. There's nothing wrong with embracing the culture that you were raised in or come from, but also I think it's important to embrace being an American and the unity that that involves and not just having your own pocket of America where you live your life with no concern for the people with whom you share this country. So I think there's a lot that we need to be doing at our border and I hope that God will raise up wise people to lead this country into 2025 as we come to the 2024 elections later this year and I believe truly that that will make a better America for everyone. Ignoring the border crisis is not the way to go. And we need to have a better way to welcome people into the greatest country in the world. The U.S. is a shining city on a hill to the other nations of this world. It's not shining as brightly as it used to, but it can shine brightly again. And one of the ways that we can see that happen is for the border to be taken seriously and to have good border guards that respect their role that treat people with respect and kindness even as they exercise their duties to secure the border so i think that is so important and i really do pray for each of the people that were mentioned in this story that they would find what they're looking for and that they would figure out a way to legally be here and be a be a productive member of american society. The next story that I want to share with you is from a former Democrat who is now speaking out for Republican values and the fact that we need to make a change if we want to see America saved.
2: Emily Wilson as a former california democrat and the host of emily saves america emily i already saved the world so i beat you to the punch but explain to me how a democrat processes leaving the democratic party
3: uh... it's really easy you want to make money you want to be safe you want your children to be safe and uh... you want your life to be better and not worse and i think everyone is starting to wake uh, wake up And there's a lot of hope, which makes me really happy. I do believe in Los Angeles, especially. There's a huge red wave that is coming.
2: So is it crime? Is it quality of life? What is actually dragging lifelong Democrats away from the party and looking at other options?
3: It's everything. It's everything. It's quality of life. It's crime. It's the homeless. Po- it's the homeless growing and getting more and more violent. Uh, I would say any I mean, at this point, if you're going to people are shifting their vote. We have Karen Bass, who's done absolutely nothing, who's in with Gavin Newsom, who's ruined this state. Who's in with George Soros, our DA, who's corrupt? Who's then under Biden? And people are sick of it. People want to walk down the street; they want to be safe. I see mothers in, with strollers pushing them around homeless encampments. All my friends have been robbed. Some of us have been robbed up to five times in our homes. I mean, things have got to change. And as someone who was a Democrat for I would say about 27 years, uh, I'm a you know people feel safe coming to me, and I would say people would be shocked if they really knew what these people think. I mean, these are pretty pretty liberal people and they are voting for anyone who's right and we do have hope i mean rick Caruso almost won, and he's you know leans a lot more conservative And i think he would have done a lot of great things for los angeles but there's still a lot of hope and i and i would like to thank the people behind street people los angeles and street people beverly hills for keeping us up to date i think those accounts are saving saving a lot of lives all right and potentially putting criminals behind bars
2: well thank you for saving america emily (laughs)
3: Thanks for having me. Now, I know that for a lot of people,
0: there are Democratic views and there are Republican views, and I often think of it as we often want the same things, but we want to take a different road to get there. And this is a little bit of an oversimplification, but one way that I often think about it is Republicans will say, well, this would be a good thing to do. Maybe you should consider doing it because it's a responsible thing to do. And a Democrat looks at the same issue and says, we need to make a law to force people to do this said thing, and then that will solve all of our problems. The other thing is that Democrats tend to say, well, it's the government's job to solve our problems. And Republicans say, we just want the government to leave us alone so that we can solve our problems. And I think that's why you're seeing... Democrats walk away and leave the Democratic Party because they realize the value of personal responsibility. They realize that they can take their future to a degree into their own hands instead of waiting for someone else to do the work. And they realize that it takes help to be safe. For instance, in the police officer issue, when there was a rise of violence in 2020, and on through into 2021 and beyond, the answer for a lot of people was defund the police. They said that the police were causing the violence, not really giving any credence to the fact that the people they were dealing with were criminals who did not want to go down without a fight. But the reality is that without authority, without law enforcement, there is simply anarchy. And I think a lot of people within the Republican Party are realizing the negative aspects of actually taking the opportunity to defund the police. And it's always been ironic to me that many of the celebrities who speak out for defunding the police, they can do that confidently because they have the money and the resources to hire private security guards to protect them. Because guess what? People with guns will deter people from bothering you. And good people with guns will deter bad people with guns. That's just the reality. It's the same thing with the border wall. The Democrats may speak against the border wall and say we need to have our borders wide open, but then people like Nancy Pelosi live in gated communities with big walls around their homes. Why? Because they want security. They don't want people to just be able to walk in and do whatever. And that's simply what we as conservatives are saying about our country. We want people to be able to come here confidently for freedom, for opportunity, but we don't want people to simply walk in here unabated uh, for no particular reason. We want to know why they're here and if they want to achieve the American dream, we want to help them achieve the American dream. That's really what this is about. So my hope is that this walk-away movement of Democrats walking towards conservative values and toward the Republican Party will be reflected in the polls this coming November. I said the same thing about some of the activism that has happened. It's been very heartening to me to see that Bud Light took a nosedive because of their stance on uh, gay rights issues. Um, And it's been very heartening to see that Target took a nosedive because of their stance on those similar issues. But what we need to do is then translate that into people who are doing these boycotts, going to the polls, and making a difference in their local, state, and federal elections when we get to 2024. Because this nation is a nation of the people, for the people, and by the people, and we need to remind our leaders of that as we move forward. So I hope that encourages you as we go into this election cycle and if you've never registered to vote or thought about the issues or contemplated who to vote for, may I encourage you to do that. There are very few countries in the world that have the opportunity that we have to determine our leadership and I think it's something that we should take seriously. So take a few moments to register to vote and then think about the issues that are important to you and vote On that basis, prayerfully go to the polls and cast your vote for the person that most closely aligns with your deeply held beliefs. And as biblical Christians, we need to find people that believe that the Bible is real, that trust Jesus with their lives, and that that's reflected in the way that they conduct their business and how they would conduct their business in office. My final story for the day is about colleges and their response, particularly three big colleges and their response to the anti-Semitism going on on their campuses.
1: A very clear message from Jewish students flying above Harvard's Cambridge campus today as fallout continues for the heads of the elite universities who failed to outright condemn calls for Jewicide, for, for genocide, excuse me, against Jewish people. Watch this.
3: It's a context-dependent decision. That's your testimony today. Calling for the genocide of Jews is depending upon the context, that is not bullying or harassment. This is the easiest question to answer, yes, Ms. McGill. So is your testimony that you will
1: not answer yes? If it is, if the speech becomes becomes conduct, it can be harassment. Yes. Boy, that was a tricky question, I guess. The president of the University of Pennsylvania followed up with this apology uh, that hasn't convinced some of the critics. Watch this. I was not focused on, but I should have been, the irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. Okay, let's bring in Katie Pavlich, editor at townhall.com and former Democrat Congressman Patrick Murphy of Pennsylvania, former Undersecretary of the Army, now a professor at Wharton School of Business at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, welcome to, to both of you. And um, Patrick, let me start with you um, because you, you know, have um, a role at that university. I, what really strikes me when I look at her apology and I watch, I rewatch that really stunning testimony is why is it so difficult? Why do they seem to need, you know, pre-programmed statements It almost I don't know if she was reading off a teleprompter, but it certainly sounded like that. Why can't a president of the most prestigious universities in this country speak off the cuff and from the heart about the fact that obviously any call for genocide uh, is a call to, to be in support of killing people, killing Jewish people? What is going on here?
4: Yeah, I, I, this, it was not a great day uh, for the three premier higher education institutions in the world. Uh, and uh, d- there's no excuse for it. And I think that's why all three of them have come out now with, with statements. Uh, President Gay at Harvard came out and said that we will hold people accountable that say anything. So, again, it was not a great day. Uh, and so we're making no excuses. Martha, you know, I used to teach Constitutional Law at West Point uh, 20 years ago before I deployed an uh, in invasion in Iraq. And, and President McGill is a great president, and, and but she's a first-year, and she's a constitutional law scholar. And so maybe she was wrapped up on the First Amendment. All speech is protected on the First Amendment, except FIDO, fighting words, incitement to riot, defamation of character, and obscenities. Genocide is not con- context-dependent. Genocide is hate speech. Genocide is not protected by the First Amendment or by academic freedom.
1: Katie, these people have bent over backwards to protect Mm -hmm. any microaggression, any food Mm -hmm. in the dining hall that might offend someone because it wasn't made by someone of that culture. Why is this so hard? Listen to this from the Harvard Hillel president, Jacob Miller, who is also baffled by the answers yesterday. Watch this young man not like these uh presidents of the universities didn't have ample time to prepare. Um they did. They had more than a week. Uh and you know, at least in my case, president Gay uh hired one of the best PR firms in Boston to help prep her in addition to our in-house um you know, uh public affairs service. Um you know, those are my tuition dollars which uh which we're going to use to help prep her for this hearing. Um and it yielded this result and I'm just kind of baffled.
0: Can you just consider with me if The media and the officials who were so hell-bent on prosecuting January 6th took the approach that these college professors and presidents are taking to dealing with the Hamas issue. The one president in this clip said, if it becomes action, then we can sanction it, but as long as it's just words, it's okay. But there were no violent actions taken by Donald Trump on January 6th. It could not be anything more than words, and there is debate as to whether he actually incited violence. Meanwhile, when the second impeachment happened, his defense team played a video where Maxine Waters and Cory Booker actually threatened out of their own mouths physical violence to the sitting president of the United States. And there were other celebrities during his presidency that made similar threats, one even saying that we should blow up the White House because he was there. So I find it funny how they can't use that criteria for President Trump They have to say, well, his words incited violence, so that means he's violent. But in the case of the Hamas versus Israel conflict, people can say whatever they want against the Jewish people, and that's not a threat. But if it turns to violence, then we will act. That is ridiculous. The fact of the matter is that we have taught people, especially over the last four years and even before that, I think, but especially over the last four years, we've taught people that anyone that disagrees with them is worthy of a violent approach and that we can't discuss issues and have differing views. We have to threaten them. And we have these people who claim to be for everybody's rights and for tolerance. And yet they spew the most vile hate speech to the other side. I was reading a book uh, recently uh, by Melissa Gilbert, sadly, who played Laura on Little House on the Prairie, and she was talking about how we need to love one another, how that was one of the biggest lessons that the pandemic taught her. But then she proceeded to say some of the most vile things she could possibly say about people that she disagreed with. So, I think it just goes back to this party that says they are for tolerance is actually the most intolerant people on earth. And that's just really sad. And we've talked about a lot on this podcast, so I'm not going to belabor the point, but we've talked a lot on this podcast about how when you go against Israel, it doesn't end well for you. Just take a world history course, look at the Bible, and you will see that whenever Israel is threatened, God comes through for them. So, for those that want to stand on the side of Hamas, who hates women and children, and uses them as shields in their battle formations, who attacked Israel unprovoked, and then when Israel retaliated, people said, well, Israel should call for a ceasefire. If you want to side with that group of people, a group of people who even though you claim to be fighting for gay rights is totally against gay rights and wants to kill homosexuals, then I don't know what to say to you. The fact of the matter is that Israel has been one of our oldest and greatest allies and we need to support them, and we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. This is something that the Bible tells us to do, and we need to continue to do that. We are in the Christmas season, a season that celebrates the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ, who himself was, is, and always will be a Jew. And so we need to come down as believers on the side of supporting and upholding the Jewish people with our prayers and, when possible, with other actions. But I would just encourage you, if you are contemplating sending your children to an institution of higher learning, that you do your research, that you find out what they are teaching our students. Because it is so important Not only that your student goes into an institution with a solid worldview, but that you avoid sending your students to a school that will directly seek to undermine the things that are most important to you as you have raised your children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. That is the responsibility of the Christian. I've said before on this podcast that... I started speaking for him because I read in Judges chapter 1 about how the nation of Israel actually had a generation that rose up, that did not know God, or the wonderful works that he had done for his people. Even though this is a people that had been enslaved in Egypt for 400 years, was released by the mighty power of God, and was preserved through 40 years in the wilderness, brought into the promised land, and still there was a generation that forgot God. And if they can forget God, so can we. So it is a solemn responsibility for us as the adults of this generation to raise up the next generation in such a way that they don't forget God, that they know that he still... Governs in the affairs of men, as Benjamin Franklin said. That they know that he is still active, that he still cares for them, that he keeps his promises, that when he says to the believer, I will never leave you nor forsake you, that he means it. And that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. His commands, his instructions, his loving admonitions to us do not change with the times he was is and always will be the unchanging son of God. And that is what I stake my eternity on. And that is the hope that we have in this dark world. Well, that's about all the time I have to share with you today, but I hope that you are having a wonderful holiday season and I hope that you'll have a great week and that you'll keep serving the best of masters.
1: Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.